Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome back to the Sports Media Watch podcast. This is John Lewis, joined as always by Drew Lerner. And uh, we have a lot of ratings talk for this week, uh, a lot of NBA playoffs, but USFL and XFL, very interesting stuff there too. Uh, so it'll be a, a fun a fun edition of the show, I think, this week. Before we get into all of that, don't forget, if you have not already, please subscribe to the SMW podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can sign up for the SMW podcast feed there. So uh, let's jump right in, talk NBA playoffs, and we'll start with the Sacramento Kings, who last night went up 2-0 on the Golden State Warriors, and you would think that would be a source of concern for the NBA, right? Oh my goodness, what is going to happen here? Well, beyond the fact that the Warriors are a Jekyll Hyde home and road team, which means that this series could very easily still go seven, beyond that fact, there might be something to these Sacramento Kings that the league could benefit from. Yeah, it's not the same as the Warriors, but the reality of the matter is that the Golden State Warriors played in that Saturday night window on the opening weekend of the playoffs last year, and the game had, let me see here, 4.5 million viewers against Denver. They played the Sacramento Kings on the first weekend of the playoffs this year, same exact Saturday night window on ABC. It was 6.3 million. Now, some of that's going to be the Warriors. The defending champs this year, there's a little bit more uncertainty around them. They're at worst 1B as the most popular team in the league and probably 1A most years. The Lakers, I think, were ahead of them in the regular season, but most years are going to be 1A. Some of that's going to be the Warriors, but I think a decent chunk of that's the Sacramento Kings. I think there's a lot of interest in this team that's not been around for a while. They're a long playoff drought. And, you know, the Kings were a pretty good draw for the NBA 20-plus years ago. They were a glamour team. So the idea that, oh, Sacramento, small market, cow town, as Phil Jackson coined it, that's a team that, you know, the Kings have made more appearances on ABC since ABC had the rights then teams like the Grizzlies, teams like the Jazz. And it's because when the Kings were really good 20 years ago, they were getting maxed out. They were getting the maximum number of national TV appearances because people like to watch the Sacramento Kings. They liked to watch them in the Weber era, and maybe they like to watch them now because that was a really strong number. Uh, my ratings prediction, I think, was just over $5 million for that game. And that alone would have been the highest for that opening Saturday of the playoffs since 2000 whenever. But this game was at 6.3 million. I mean, that that's that's really strong for the opening round of the playoffs, with obviously all of the out of home caveats at play. So, uh, Drew, uh, what are your thoughts here? Uh, is there some interest in the Sacramento Kings? Is this all Golden State? What do you think? It's tough to say, right? Because you you look at the Kings roster, and there's not really that many household names here. You have you know De'Aaron Fox and you know Sabonis, and then what like. Kevin Herter, you know, like these, yeah. these aren't guys that everyone is talking about on a day-to-day -day basis when they're talking about the NBA. I think what the Kings have going for them is their rise this year has been pretty well documented, right? They're kind of, you know, the bad news bears of the NBA for, for a very long time. They haven't uh, made the playoffs in what 16 years. Is that? Yeah. 
Yeah, 16 years. So, I mean, everyone loves an underdog story. I'm not sure I, you know, maybe this is just a product of me being younger and, and not of the generation where the Kings were a glamour team. I'm not sure I really buy the fact that, you know, if they rated highly 20 years ago, that translates to today. But I, it's a great story. And I think the the story has been well documented enough where pe- people will be willing to tune in, especially because they're playing an in-state rival, so to say, in the Golden State Warriors. And that's there's some intrigue there as well. Yeah. I mean, that is another factor. The North Carolina, North Carolina, Northern California uh, proximity there. Uh, it's a fresh matchup. It's a new environment for the Kings. I mean, there's people your age, Drew. I imagine you probably don't remember watching the Sacramento Kings when they were good. Uh, so there's just uh, there's a lot of novelty there. And that's just a great number. It's a great number. A lot of great numbers for the NBA over the weekend. Interestingly enough, Lakers Grizzlies was not I mean, it wasn't a bad number. But both ratings and viewership were down. Viewership being down was to be expected, obviously, Easter Sunday last year. I was not expecting ratings to be down. I was a bit surprised by that. It's LeBron James and the Lakers back in the playoffs for the first time in a while. You would expect to clear that 3.0 rating, you know, somewhat comfortably. 3.2, 3.3, 2.95. It's not a horrible number by any stretch, but... Uh, you know, certainly I think you're expecting a little bit better for that in that Sunday window. Earlier than usual start, three flat, not 3.30. Maybe on the West Coast, that's a factor. Noon versus 12.30, I don't know. But uh, you want to see the Lakers drawing a little bit better than that relative to what you would normally get in that window. But certainly not a bad number at all. 5.5 million viewers. Last time the Lakers were in the playoffs, their opener against Phoenix was under 5 million, very much under 5 million. I think maybe 4.5 or something like that. But that was also Memorial Day weekend, so a little bit, uh, or maybe not Memorial Day weekend, but somewhere around that. Uh, but the big uh, the big draw of the weekend on cable, very strong start for Clippers Suns, 5 million viewers, most watched opening weekend playoff game on cable since 2017. There are people out there who would look at that stat and say, oh, that's, you know, who cares? That's a nice stat. That's six solid years, six solid years of opening weekends, and uh, cable is where most of those games are airing. So that's a pretty good number, 5 million viewers for that. Uh, And that's a series, inexplicably, Game 3 is on NBA TV. That's a series that needs to be on regular TV throughout. Worst part about that is it's going up against Warriors-Kings. You're going to have two glamour series going up against each other. Frankly, I'd rather inconvenience the people of Los Angeles and put that game on at 8 and have it lead into Warriors-Kings. It's not... Like it doesn't happen. Just two years ago, the Blazers hosted a game six at eight o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Pacific. You know, I mean, if that's what you got to do to get your best games in, in you know, uh, the most exposure, that's what you've got to do. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that game will be uh, coming up Thursday, that game three, 1030 p.m. on NBA TV. Not smart. That's actually something I wanted to get into today with you, John, is the fact that a lot of these first round games do end up on NBA TV. And I was looking at the schedule and it's not even just that Wednesday night game. It's tonight. Hawks Celtics is, you know, the Celtics are a pretty good draw here on the East Coast. That's a game I would probably rather watch over, you know, Knicks Cavaliers. But, you know, obviously they're going to put the Knicks in that slot on TNT. Um, And then and then you have, uh, you know, Suns Clippers, like you said um heat bucks you know we don't know what the status of Giannis is but that's another star player you're throwing to nba tv this is something they have to get fixed in the upcoming rights deal right well it's an interesting thing because 
NBA TV does serve a purpose. It gets those crummy games off of TNT. Like, I know the Celtics are the Celtics. Nobody wants to watch Hawks Celtics after that game one. Uh, Net Sixers is a bit of a chore. You know, Bucks Heat, it's more exciting than I figured it would be uh, when it started. But, that, you know, that's kind of a chore too. The reality of the matter is, you know, getting some of the weaker series. I mean, Timberwolves Nuggets needs to be on NBA TV. That, that series was designed for that. <laughs> but, you know, you are correct. I remember when this started in 2003, I was shocked. I couldn't believe that the NBA was allowing playoff games to air on NBA TV. And if you notice, the NHL has the exact same TV partners as the NBA. And if there's a night where there's four games and TNT has two, but TBS is otherwise occupied, well, ESPN will air those other two games. Same thing, you know, tonight, TBS has a game and ESPN has uh, three games. Uh, for whatever reason, the NBA has always strenuously avoided having ESPN and TNT compete on the same night against each other, which, okay, so be it. Then have TNT and TBS share those games on those nights. But TBS has literally not aired a full NBA playoff game since 03, that the first year of the deal. Uh, I think probably because there was a lot of outcry about games airing on NBA TV, uh, they actually did carry a couple of game sixes on TBS that year. And, um, you know, in the next deal, I can't see NBA TV still airing games. I mean, that's going to be such a different deal. There's so much smoke about Turner potentially losing the rights. Turner operates NBA TV, so that's going to have to change anyway. It's all out of the Atlanta studio. Um, you know, there's no excuse for, you know, big important games airing on a league owned network like that. Baseball doesn't even do baseball playoff games on MLB network anymore. Even that's over. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the next couple of years with that. Definitely. Uh, I want to get into, you know, the bigger picture here with, with the NBA viewership numbers, they seem generally speaking to be positive for the league. Do you think this will uh, have any impact on how um, NBA ratings are being viewed, the perception? No. Um, well, one, I want to point out, uh, this was the most watched opening weekend of the playoffs since 2011, which is actually shocking to me because last year, those Easter Sunday numbers were so strong. So I'm a bit surprised by that. Um, but um, no, it's not going to change. Perceptions never change. This is America we live in, right? Uh, and people will twist themselves into knots to be right, even if they're not right. And uh, they can live in bubbles that afford them the ability to comfort themselves with the reality that they're right and everybody else is wrong. And, you know, I'm not really singling anybody out. I mean, we all know how I feel about uh, certain, you know, organizations and the way that they report the numbers. But the reality of the matter is this is across the political spectrum. This is the way things are. Nobody's ever wrong. Uh, everybody else is wrong. So, you know, perceptions aren't going to change in an environment like that. Um, and luckily, of all the things where people are locked in a bubble, NBA ratings are really the most insignificant. Uh, who really cares? You know, no one's, no one's going to be having their life affected by someone thinking that the NBA isn't a strong TV draw. Who really cares about that? Um, but, uh, you know, the reality of the matter is, I, I just did this deep dive just uh, on Friday about NBA regular season ratings. It's on the site. You should check it out if you haven't yet. And uh, what jumped out to me was just how stable NBA viewership has been over the past 20 years. Uh, all of the drop-off in viewership that people are always talking about, it all happened between 1998 and 2000. The NBA's viewership has been pretty much the same ever since. And 
ultimately, you know, uh, much to do about nothing in a lot of ways. The only year where the league really did badly was the COVID year, not the year where it ended up in the bubble, but the year after. That was a year where you look at the numbers and go, wow, that was pretty bad. Other than that, I mean, you know, out of home is helping a little bit, as we all know, but the NBA is basically where it was 20 years ago. That's not necessarily great because where it was 20 years ago was not great, but uh, certainly it's not, I mean, we all know the NBA is not dying out or having any kind of massive uh, loss of viewership. It's in a bit of a slump right now, at least on the regular season side. But uh, certainly most watched opening weekend of the playoffs since 2011 is a good thing. We have no idea what the finals matchup will be. be you know, that'll, that'll tell a lot of the tale, right? And that's the other thing with NBA viewership is that, you know, so much of the perception is determined by which two teams advance to the NBA finals. You know, this could be if you get Lakers Warriors in the second round and Celtics Sixers and the Knicks are there, that second round could be off the charts. But then you could end up somehow with, you know, Milwaukee versus Denver, and then you're not having a very good perception at the end of that. So, you know, I mean, perceptions are all dumb. That's the thing about perceptions. They're all based in things that are not factual, things that are, you know, in, you know, affected by biases. And again, I'm not singling out anybody or any particular point of view. This is across the board. This is just the way life goes. And you just can't let it, you know, affect your sense of self if you're the league, certainly, or just generally. I mean, just talking about just perceptions generally, you just can't let people's perceptions affect you. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend everyone go read that article. I, I do think it does a, a great job at you know dispelling some of the narratives that are out there about uh, NBA viewership. Uh, you did kind of touch on what I wanted to get to next with the NBA, which is the potential for some really high-profile matchups in the next round. Yep. Um, what do you think the league office is <laughs> rooting for here? I think that might be an obvious question, but um, we there's a lot of large market teams that. Um, could be facing each other in the next round. Um, do you think that has the potential to kind of really blow up these these playoffs to to something that we haven't seen viewership wise in in quite a while? Yeah, well, like I said, Lakers Lakers Warriors obviously is the dream. You want that desperately for the NBA, and I think they've got a really good chance of getting it. This Lakers uh, Warriors King series really gives me a lot of 08 Spurs Hornets vibes. New Orleans was a new team on the block, kind of came out of nowhere, a lot of energy, took the first two games at home, couldn't win a road game. And then when it got to game seven, it was the experience of the Spurs that put them over the top. I think that'll probably happen here with the Warriors and Kings. I can't see the Warriors with their incredible home record uh, not getting this to a game seven. Uh, and, you know, who knows? Maybe they win in six because you get one game in Sacramento and those two games have been relatively close. Their home record, their road record is atrocious. All they need to do is to maintain their 66 win level home record. And then you just steal a game because of your experience on the road. So I think Warriors, Lakers, I mean, frankly, I think the Warriors down 0-2 probably still have a better chance to make it to the second round than the Lakers do up 1-0. And that's no diss of the Lakers, not, not at all. The Lakers have been very impressive lately. But Warriors, Lakers is what you want if you're the NBA. Uh, and uh, you will gladly take Lakers, Kings. That, that to me, you know, you'll gladly take that. You'll take Warriors Grizzlies too, although even though the Warriors, I think, are 1A right now ahead of the Lakers 1B, I think you'd rather have Lakers Kings and Warriors Grizzlies. Bad vibes with those Grizzlies. Bad vibes. Great vibes with the Kings, though. 
So you'll take Lakers, Kings over Warriors, Grizzlies, I think, if you're the league. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I don't think you want Memphis, you know, being featured too often. Um, uh, so that's obvious out of that part of the bracket. You definitely want Celtic Sixers. Um, I mean, you're going to get Celtic Sixers. It doesn't matter whether you want it or not. We all know uh, that, that that matchup will materialize. And then, um, you know, Knicks, Bucks. I mean, if it's Knicks Heat somehow, you'll take that too. The important part there is the Knicks portion of that. The Cavs are a nice team. They've got some Sacramento aspects to them with the good vibes, but you want those New York Knicks. And uh, ABC is prepared for that. Like, so one thing to note with the NBA playoff schedule, the first round series are scheduled in such a way with the second round in mind. So it's no surprise that Lakers and Warriors, they're both scheduled to end their first round series on that Sunday when ABC has a doubleheader. So one way or the other, ABC will either get a doubleheader of Lakers Grizzlies game seven and Kings Warriors game seven, which would be amazing for them, or they will get potentially Lakers Warriors game one in that window. And not just game one, because the Sunday, uh, whatever first round series ends on Sunday, the second round is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. ABC has the Saturday doubleheader. So ABC is very prepared to have the Lakers and Warriors, or one of the two at least, assuming one of the two advances for that Sunday doubleheader at the end of the first round and the Saturday doubleheader after. Well, who's in the Eastern Conference portion of that? It's not the Celtics and Sixers. It's the Knicks. ABC is willing to risk airing Cavaliers Bucks because they are hoping that the Knicks will come out of that series. So uh, I think it's like May 13th or whenever in mid-May. They're at the Garden for Knicks hosting the Bucks in game three at 3.30. And then they're at, hopefully for them, the Staples Center uh, for the Lakers hosting the Kings or Warriors uh, at 8.30. That's what they're looking for. So... Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds like the dream scenario. I, I do have one more quick one on the NBA for you that you may or may not know this, um, but historically speaking, when we're looking at uh, playoff viewership here, is there any credence to the argument that, you know, a lot of these first round matchups going to a game six, game seven kind of builds momentum for the for the next rounds? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I mean, each round is its own discrete entity, obviously. You know, uh, a first round that goes seven and then the second round is, you know, a whole bunch of four game sweeps that doesn't really do much for you, but uh, certainly you want competitive, you know, you don't want 2004 where six of the seven series end in five and the other series is heat hornets. You know what I mean? You want, you want exciting competitive series involving big teams. So, uh, you know, for the league right now, obviously you need the warriors to go get those two games at home. That's probably why they won't suspend Draymond green, even though he deserves to be suspended. Um, you know, but, uh, that's one thing you definitely want is that series to be competitive. You want the Lakers to win, but you don't want it to be like too easy. So you want God to be healthy. I mean, you don't want injuries generally. Um, you want, uh, the Knicks, I think they'll be happy if the Knicks take it quickly because the Cavs are good enough to beat the Knicks if it goes too long. So it's like, you know, maybe the Knicks take care of that in four or five, if you're, if you're the league, but I mean, again, you, you just want competitive games. You want competitive series. Uh, and that's more important than anything. So, John, I, I know you you expressed some pretty negative opinions on Twitter this weekend about yeah. some of the the choice advertisements on on TNT. Why don't you yeah. uh, talk about that a little bit? 
Well, you know, look, so we all know Turner is not Turner anymore. Turner's kind of gone. Uh, and what's been, you know, it's being run now by some of the biggest purveyors of, let's be real, trash television that there is uh, at Discovery. And, uh, you know, sitting through the NBA playoffs and you're being assaulted with these disgusting um, uh, ads for this ridiculous show, Dr. Pimple Popper, uh, something I would never watch in a million years. I would watch Tucker Carlson and Skip Bayless ballroom dancing before I watched one second, okay, of uh, this Dr. Pimple Popper nonsense. And um, look, I mean, uh, it's appalling to to put that in advertisements, to, to try to disgust viewers. And, you know, beyond anything else, Discovery, I'm not trying to be mean to this guy who has whatever dermatological problem he has, but we all know that Discovery's angle is to basically gawk at people who are dealing with horrible, horrible ailments, right? I mean, it's the basest level of human curiosity. And uh, for the NBA and NHL, and to a lesser extent, NCAA, they didn't show the really gross ones during the tournament. I wonder why, right? Uh, but, um, you know, if you're doing a partnership with with Warner Brothers Discovery, you got to understand you're doing a partnership with a company that will disgust your core viewers during your biggest games. So give that some thought in the next round of negotiations. John, we have pretty uh, opposite views on on reality TV. I'm a pretty big reality TV uh -huh. fan. I, I actually, you know, cut my teeth in this industry. I started in reality TV and unscripted. So before before I got into you know my current career, that is that is what I did. And you know, fortunately for myself, I never had to deal with anything as disgusting as right. as those ads that with the pimple popper ads. But you know. <laughs> I, I have an appreciation for the format and it is kind of some lowest common denominator stuff. That's what they're going for. Um, you know, and there's something to be said about just throwing one of those shows on and not having yeah. to pay attention to it. But you're right. I mean, there's really no place for an advertisement like that. There's plenty of other shows that are equally low brow that aren't as visually abhorrent yeah. <laughs> as, as a Dr. Pimple Popper ad. So Maybe uh maybe Turner Warner Brothers Discovery should uh you know consider advertising those other shows that yeah. that they have in their inventory. Well, what they should understand is that they have been. I mean, granted, they're paying a big price to do it, but they have been chosen to be the stewards of these games, and you know that's a pretty big responsibility. And you have to not you know insult the people who are tuning in, and uh, certainly David Stern would be reading them the Riot Act. Yeah, uh, Tony Kornheiser likes to refer to the NBA as not having a living, breathing commissioner. That's because Adam Silver is the most permissive person on the planet, feels like. Uh, David Stern would be letting David Zaslav know who really runs the show. And uh, look, I mean, I, Turner's, Turner's the NBA's best partner ever, even better than NBC. 30 plus years of consistently treating the league with respect and making it a big entertainment property. You don't want to throw that all away, but I mean, Turner isn't what you're doing a deal with. You're not doing a deal with David Levy and, you know, you're not doing a deal with Time Warner. You're doing a deal with the Discovery Channel people. You're doing a deal with the Pimple Popper people. And, you know, I, I know you cut your teeth in reality TV, but honestly, it, to me, the, the comparison that I have in my mind 
is the McPoyles from It's Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah. you're, do you're doing a deal with the McPoyles, okay? And, you, you know, I don't know. I, I To me, if it's going to be that lowbrow over there, I just don't know. Now, look, baseball was able to deal with having my big, fat, obnoxious boss advertised on the backstop of the most important games of the century for baseball, the most watched games of the century, the biggest moments were happening with my big, fat, obnoxious boss advertised on the backstop. But between my big, fat, obnoxious boss and skin, I think it was, where your father is the district attorney, I mean, you're probably not old enough to remember that, but you know, all those terrible Fox shows or even the terrible Turner shows like Impractical Jokers or whatever, they're not offensive to, you know, you're, they're not going to make you lose your lunch while you're trying to watch the game. And I mean, it really, it's funny, but it really is a problem. The NBA, I hope, I hope Adam Silver complained because I didn't see any of those ads yesterday, but I also didn't watch as much of the games yesterday. But um, I hope Adam Silver complained. I hope Gary Bettman, who trained under David Stern, well, so did Adam Silver, but I hope Gary Bettman has let them know that this, this cannot be. You will not show those kinds of ads during our programming. You're not going to do it. And so Stern, uh, not Stern, uh, Silver, Bettman, whoever else needs to get to David Zaslav and let them know what the nature of this partnership truly is, they need to get that done. Because we've got two months ahead of these postseasons. You're right. And, and in the interest of fairness, I, I did not see any of these ads last night as well. So hopefully something got got yeah. done there. Communicated, yes. Yeah. Very sternly. Very sternly <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah. All right, John, I think that puts a bow on the NBA discussion. Uh, why don't we take a look at some other ratings for this week? Viewership was up pretty much across the board for a lot of properties. Um, the PGA was up big with the RBC yeah. Heritage. NASCAR was up year over year for their Fox Sports 1 event uh, in Martinsville. Um, do, do you have an idea why you know NBA was also up, of course, as we discussed? Uh, why, why was viewership so high this weekend? You know, good question. Um, I mean, that is a good question. It's not, there's no Easter explanation. Uh, you know, I think ultimately PGA can be explained by the fact that it's an elevated event. Jordan Spieth down the stretch. I mean, that'll do it right there. Spieth at the Heritage. There's always a strong number when he does well there. NASCAR. I've never really known this to be true, but apparently Chase Elliott is the straw that stirs the drink for them. Not a great number at Martinsville, to be honest, but it's an FS1 race, so the standards are lower. Uh, you know, you'll take that if you're NASCAR after a whole stretch of declines. Uh, gymnastics, College Gymnastics National Championship, as expected, over a million, 1.02 million. Frankly, maybe even a little bit lower than I would have expected, given the time slot and the energy behind that sport lately. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's look, when it comes down to it, it was a good weekend for a lot of sports, but there's one exception you didn't mention USFL. I mean, so I just got a release from the USFL that said that, um, it was a strong weekend. Now the, the press release says USFL scores strong TV ratings in week one. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to say what you got to say. Okay. But they're saying that it's up 4% from last year's season average. You can't be up 4% from your season average in week one. It's week one. The impact of having these two leagues compete with each other is obvious. 
none of the USFL or XFL games this weekend. Eight total got to the million viewer mark. The most watched was Michigan, Houston, and the USFL on NBC, 974. The Fox games, I can't believe how poorly the Fox games did when you compare it to last year, both under 900,000. ABC's XFL game, under 900,000. And again, the gymnastics lead out was over a million, right? So, I mean, uh, there's just not enough spring football viewership to spread across these two leagues. We can tell immediately just right off the bat from week one. Yeah, I, I happened to notice the same thing in that press release. Um, comparing your week one numbers to the, yeah. the total average of, of your entire season last year is, is certainly a way to spin that into a positive. Yeah. Um, I guess the one notable thing I, I took away from these ratings is, you know, the, the NBC USFL game in that noon time slot on Sunday, you know, I don't know how comparable it is Saturday versus Sunday with the XFL on ABC at 1230 at that same similar time slot. But um, the USFL on NBC edged that by about 100,000 viewers. Yeah. Um, and, and in the rating, it was a 0. 0.6 versus a 0. 0.53. So a tiny bit of a better number there. But I mean, you know, I think I think we both knew that there's not enough room in no. the spring for two football leagues there just isn't and especially you're starting on the nba playoff opening weekend you know i mean that's tough competition and it's all day both days uh so you know i mean it's uh it's they can't continue to do it this way or maybe they can you know there's always week weekday football you know maybe instead of going up directly opposite you have thursday and monday nights maybe the usfl takes thursday xfl takes monday i mean who knows but uh it's not working. Yeah. I mean, there, there is something to be said. I mean, you know, four games over 800,000, one game over 900,000. That That's not nothing. You know, this yeah. is Sunday Night Baseball this week got just under a million with 990,000. Yeah, and I mean, that's the top professional league for that sport, right? So yeah. there's something to be said for this being a viable television product. Um, I, I think pretty clearly that you can't have two leagues cannibalizing each other like yeah. this and have that or maintain that financial viability, but there's an audience. And, you know, I actually, you know, happened to attend an XFL game this weekend uh, here in Washington, DC. And I mean, it's a bit of a perfect storm here where that there's a rabid football fan base that hasn't been quite too happy with their, their NFL franchise in the last couple decades. So, um, the game I attended was actually, you know, they announced a sellout of, you know, 18 odd thousand in the, in at Audi field where, where DC United plays. Yeah. And I have to give them credit. I mean, the, the atmosphere was great. Um, you know, people actually seem to be invested in the team. There's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, anti Dan Snyder chants and things yeah. of that nature. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's clearly some resentment for f the other football team that that's in the city, but you know, I think there is an audience for this. I don't know if it's just in cities that are, you know, football deprived like DC or St. Louis, but um, people enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, look, I mean, the reality is if you are in an NFL market where your NFL team makes you sad or doesn't exist anymore, the XFL might be a, a little protest vote. You know, that's kind of what it is. It's a little protest vote. Uh, and, you know, the XFL being in actual markets, that gives it a leg up to me, the USFL, which I believe is still in those empty stadiums. 
you know nobody wants yeah to I, I believe they're they're in three or four cities now instead yeah. last year they're just in birmingham this year they're in a, they're in a few more but um yeah they they don't have that advantage that the the xfl has where they they are in the home markets yeah i mean that's that's got to change right i mean you can't i mean we are all moving past or trying to move past the COVID era of everything. And no one wants any reminders of that. And these completely empty stadiums are a reminder of that, in my view. So they got to work on that. Well, one thing we didn't get to today because the numbers aren't out yet. We're taping Tuesday morning is the numbers for the NHL started their playoffs yesterday. High potential, very high potential because of the Bruins, but also the two overtime games at the end. Uh, I think you'll see some pretty strong numbers at the NHL playoffs this year. My expectation is that, uh, you know, uh, it'll be a very good April, May and June for maybe even both the NBA and NHL. A lot of that's going to be matchup dependent more confident with the NHL because how are the Bruins not going to make it deep, right? For the NBA, like I said before, the specter of Denver-Milwaukee is very real. So you can't know for sure that it's going to be great all the way through June. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of potential in both leagues for some some good numbers here uh, this year. I wanted to quickly just note that number for Sunday Night Baseball was really bad. 994,000 Rangers-Astros. I'm not going to say that it's based on that because I don't even know how long the game lasted. But don't be shocked if the impact of the pitch clock is actually negative in the ratings because these games last for a, a lesser amount of time. The later you go, the better the ratings are. If you have a 7 o'clock game and it's ending in two hours, that's actually not a good thing. So um, you, what you might see, and I mentioned it before, what you might see with baseball, you might see the game starting later, which would be quite the irony. But I think if, if, if baseball games are regularly finishing in two and a half hours, then Sunday night baseball should probably start at eight o'clock again, right? So uh, something to keep an eye on throughout the year. But other than that, I think we are through another great week. We come back uh, next week uh, and uh, more NBA playoff action. Hopefully everything will still be, you know, fun and exciting. No injuries, knock on wood, no more injuries anyway. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, no more stomping on people's chests. Uh, but uh, other than that I think we're through we'll be back here next week on the SMW podcast and don't forget to subscribe again Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher everywhere that you get your podcasts see you next week without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.